is the Inside Edge. Your home for Blue Jackets news and conversation. Sponsored by Honda Marysville and Moomoo Express Car Wash. Proud partner of the Columbus Blue Jackets. Here's Bob McGalligan and Jody Shelley. Welcome to the Inside Edge presented by Honda Marysville. I'm Bob McElligot with Jody Shelley. Coming up on tonight's show, we're going to have Cam Atkinson. He was last week's number one star of the week in the National Hockey League. He'll join us and talk about that. Oh, and by the way, he started the next week by scoring a goal in the first game. That was Monday night in Carolina. So we'll talk with Cam about what's going on with him. But Jody, what's going on with the Blue Jackets right now? It's... uh, it's a roller coaster. It's a seesaw. Whatever you want to say, it is up and down. And it seems like uh, in these two-game series, they just can't win both games. And I'm sure a lot of teams are saying that because it's hard to win to both games. But at some point, uh, the only way you're going to pick up some good points and start to make some headway is by winning both games in a series, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, a lot of times you go back to the the early series with Tampa. You know, the conversation was they got three out of four points against the Tampa Bay Lightning, but when you look at it, well, Tampa got three out of four points too against the Blue Jackets. So that series, um, you know, that that's what you're giving up. And when you look at the Blue Jackets, uh, not sweeping Detroit, losing the one off to Carolina, they're digging a little bit of a hole. But I, I think the main concern, Bob, is uh, we're not seeing this team play with the fire consistently. The fire where they take a game over. You know, a couple of sequences – their back check uh, gave the other team a uh, tough time fits, you know, that, and that's what we're used to the D stand up because the forwards are coming back and then the turnovers cause, and they play the half ice drill and you just feel like they smother the opposition and you feel like, boy, the blue jackets just blanketed that team. But I, I don't know. It just seems like torch is trying to get his clientele to play that way. Uh, they're just not finding it consistently. You know, they start with the first goal, Maybe that's a false sense of security for them. You know, they've done it a lot. And, and you know, their special teams has carried them a couple games. They had some lucky bounces. But when you really look at it, when you simplify and say this is how they want to play, in the defensive zone, I think you can still see the thought bubbles. And, and they, you know, I go back to the Chicago, the, the pair of games against Chicago. Uh, almost five guys are in the corner, and there's a guy on the backside all by himself that it seems like for an eternity, and he gets the puck, and you can see it happening. So, you know, it's not like they're far off, but there's enough hesitation and thinking going on where they're not able to play their game. And, and when they're not on their game and anticipating and jumping, they look slow and a little discombobulated. I want to ask you about one guy in particular because I've uh, been surprised. He, he's such a, a mainstay here, and uh, he's made some – He's made some plays recently that he stood out in in the wrong way. And I'm talking about David Savard. Heck, the other night he made a pass that was right to the Carolina Hurricanes and resulted in a goal. Thankfully, that goal was uh, overturned because of an offside play previous to it. But, um, you know, there are some guys I expect to see struggle defensively. I expect to see uh, the, um, the new guys struggle. But that's one guy I don't expect to see fighting the puck sometimes uh, as much as he has here in these first couple of weeks. Can you put your finger on that? Well, all I can say is, you know, I remember going into games and thinking, you know, I just want to get a hit that get, that'll get me involved in the game. And you can't find a hit. You can't find it. You know, the whistle blows, it's chopped up. You try to make a play. And then the more you think about it, you know, the more you're getting away from your game. Now, David Savard to me, yes, he looks like he's a step behind, 
just because, again, I think things have been automatic for him when it comes to getting in the corner, understanding where the player is going to be. Uh, you know, the center ice uh, uh, position has helped him out. Maybe there's a dynamic there where uh, the familiar pieces that he's relied on aren't there for him. Um, I'm not sure. He's in a contract year. I know that. Maybe that's weighing on him. You know, maybe he's a player that's thinking about being too perfect. And listen, that's human nature. Go to any business, go anywhere you want, and you're like, okay, I got to be my best this year because my contract's up. You start thinking about those things, Bob. They play into just enough to throw you off. And to me, uh, you know, he's starting to block way more shots, which shows me that he's finding his rhythm in front of the net. But yeah, I think a couple plays, he just looks surprised that uh, they're not working out or maybe they're hope plays. And, uh, you know, that's not what he is. He's a very straight ahead. He makes his mind up. And as soon as he does, he's already committed to it. And that makes him hard to play against, takes up a lot of space. I think he's a little off, but I think he goes as the team goes. You know, I think that um, the emotion of the game, the build up in front of the net, the fire that he has, uh, he's not off by much, but there's enough there that, yeah, he just doesn't look like himself. And going into the season, we thought, well, we know the first two defensive pairings. That, that's easy. Uh, Jones, Wierenski, and then Savard and Gavrikov. And and then we didn't know what, how it was going to uh, – how what was going to happen after that, who the other two guys were going to be. But as it turns out, we knew nothing because those pairs haven't uh, – they haven't stayed together even when everybody is healthy. They've been juggling them all around, trying to get production out of uh, all three pairings. You know, I, I I guess I didn't really answer your previous question. Can I put a finger on it? Uh, but, you know, I wonder. And they've got – so the center rights position has changed drastically. Wenberg and Dubois are gone. Wenberg is – say what you want. He had a big contract. He didn't score enough goals. He covered up a lot in the defensive zone. Okay. And I think that new centerman, Domi, uh, you got, you know, now Felino and Jenner are moving in there, which is fine. Nash is there. But I think against the top players, which Savard and Gabrigoff do spend a lot of time playing against. And I look at Stahl the other night, and he's a big body playing with skill. Maybe he, they're just trying to do too much. And I think, and I said this to my peewee team yesterday, a couple of players, I said, you guys don't know what you're good at. Guy asked them and they said, I said, what are you good at? And, and they're like, I don't know. And I'm like, okay, you'll figure out as you keep playing hockey that the simpler that you can play, make a good pass, uh, take the pot, get good potty position, get the puck out of the zone. The simpler you can play, the more defined you become, the better you'll be and the more you'll help the team. And when I look at Savard and Gavrikov, they're in between a lot of plays. It tells me they're trying to do too much. They need to simplify and, and not, uh, they need to take control. I think that's what they need to do. But And I think that's what we're seeing. But I do think it's the new players, to answer your question, new players are, you know, just do, – and are they playing a new system defensively? I don't know. I feel like they are some way. And that's throwing a lot of people off. Yeah, that that's a good question in, in and of itself. And, and, again, when you talk about those new players, there's still some of those new players we're waiting on to come around. And, you know, to me – Max Domi headlines that list because here's a guy that we talked about being the number two centerman. Not only is he not the number two centerman, he's not even playing the center position right now. He's playing on the wing to take some of the defensive responsibility away from him. Um, you know, in Montreal, he was not happy that he wasn't playing at center, that he was playing on the wing, but 
here he is again. How how does he make the adjustments he needs to make to get his game where he wants it to be? And like, quite frankly, the Blue Jackets need his game to be where he wants it to be if they want to have success as a team. You know, I think he's got to just focus on Max Domi. I really do. I, I watch him. I watch him talking. I see him in scrums. I see him talking to the ref, to the other players, talking to players on the bench. Uh, he seems like an awesome guy. I mean, awesome guy. Great personality. But I just think he's not playing the right game that he's got to play. He might be playing a game that he thinks he should be playing. And I think that happens to players when they get to new places. I think they come in and there's a lot of talk about the trade. I think there's a lot of uh, fluff about the trade about, you know, oh, and, and he's going to be the number one center. Will he play? And then you know, you start acting that way that, um, you know, you think you got to play. It's human nature. It's just, you hear the noise, you buy into the noise. Now you're playing to the noise. I think he's got to take a step back. Now he's on the wing. Uh, and he, to me, when I remember Max Domi, he was in the middle of everything, scoring goals, creating opportunities, skating fast, hitting back checking. Uh, you know, I, I, I just think he's, a little bit off on what he needs to bring to this team. And uh, I think when he figures it out, cause he will, it's still early when he figures it out, it'll be a, he'll be an impact guy every shift. I think that's what he's got to be. That's what we're waiting for with him. You think some of that still comes from the fact that things are so weird in the world and you can't really have the, the type of bonding that, that you want to have. I know we've talked about that before, but as you're describing that and, and about, you know, a player just needing to be himself and, and get going with another team and thinking that he needs to do things. You think if it was a, a regular situation where you could get together with the guys and, and have that dinner and just have them go, look, man, be yourself. Let's you, cause you can say that in a dressing room and, and you could say that in a hotel, there's just something different about when you're in those relaxed atmospheres to, to have those kind of conversations. Do you agree? I, it's a great point. And, and I think to take it a step further, um, I think it's taken it a step further to, to add to it. Let's, let's do that. Um, Max Domi is an emotional guy, okay? Without the fans, and I, I think we've talked about without the fans every single show, Bob, radio show, Inside Edge. But there is an element missing. There is a dynamic when you're getting booed in Nashville that it's just you're the villain. And I don't think he is the villain right now. And in a sense, he doesn't. Not that he's the villain, but he's noticeable. I remember playing we, uh, the Jackets playing Montreal, and he was the guy that everyone at Nationwide Arena wanted to get after, and that's when he's effective. So, yes, the interaction with his teammates away from the rink, getting acclimated, yes. And, and, and I think the other element is the emotion that drives the home building and the away building is missing on Max Domi's game. When you get in the face of someone and the crowd's raucous and, and you know there's no way out but to drop the gloves, if you don't drop it, you know, you, you failed yourself and your team, that's missing. I think that there's a walk away that's allowed. I think there's a turn away that's allowed. And you can talk about it and try to tell these guys to do it and pipe in whatever you want. 19,000 people, 21,000 in Chicago, that uh, it starts when the anthem starts. It's epic. It's iconic because the hair, every hair in your body stands up because it's like, whoa, when you're there and you can get all those people to uh, dislike what you're doing to their team, 
you get energy and drive that's, uh, that, that, I mean, you, you can't fabricate it. So listen, I said what I said earlier about Max, and I, I also think this adds to it because you brought up a great point. It's, the, it's the, the way that the game is played. And you can say, oh, but these are pros. Okay, say that all day long. You can say it and think it. There's a real lack of emotion and energy right now, and players like Domi are missing it. That's right. They are pros, but part of what makes them a pro is missing right now. That's, that's a very good point. I, I was listening to you talk about that, and there were a couple of things that I was thinking about. One of them is that this, to me, is another thing that some people may not understand because it's not like this in real life. I don't think anybody walks into their office and uh, they – well, not their office. Let's just say – uh, they sell insurance. They're not going to go into a competitor's office and try to be the villain when, when they're there or maybe, or maybe they, they are. Maybe, maybe I'm totally wrong, <laughs> but, but like you played that role a lot. I mean, because of the game that you played uh, when you went into a certain building, uh, people knew when you came off the bench that you were out there uh, for a reason. And that, that made it easy for you to be a villain everywhere, but home. Um, you know what? How much did you enjoy that? The fans, man, the NHL, than any pro sport, you dream about Madison Square Garden, Nationwide Arena, you know, what? pick a venue loaded with fans that you know your team is rolling in to break up the party and they're on the edge of their seat. They're involved in every play. They know who they don't like. They, they know the rivalry. The Penguins coming to Nationwide Arena. Think about that feeling all game day long, okay? And it's our fans and it's their fans and it's our team. And you understand as an athlete, the weight that you're carrying of your fans, you know, and you're not going to bow down from some guy. Let's say Crosby runs you over. Whoa. You're not going to skate away from that and go, you're going to go address it because you feel like you're in a, a tin can. That's just like the noise, the energy, the expectations, you got to get the crowd now, but you know, you got to, you got to do it for your fans. So um, yeah, I loved it, Bob. I mean, that's, I used to go into Philly. I hated going into Philly as a visitor because they always had so many tough guys and their fans knew you were coming in and you know, you, you weren't going to turn down a fight. You got booed so heavy that your ears would ring. So I'd have to fight. And it was, you know, I got through it. It was great, but being there as a home team, man, it was so great, but the expectations were higher. You know, the other team has a guy running around, what Shelly, what are you doing? Like, yeah, you did something yesterday. What are you done today? So those things, uh, that's what makes it great. And that's what makes professional life and, and the NHL uh, like living in a music video. You know what I mean? That's what you want to live. You want to be the guy that puts on the nice uh, suit and walk out and wave to the fans. It's, it's the cool part of it, Bob. And that's what we all enjoy. So uh, without that, there's a big empty hole. Those people in Philly, they they would question you like that. What, oh, yeah. what are you doing today? They and, and you cleaned up the way they would say it too. But uh, just, <laughs> yeah. you're right. That that had to be. Was that? Did you have the most pressure in your career there? I don't know. Uh, maybe yeah. Maybe it was. I thought so. But then I, when I got to understand the Philly fans and how much they love you, even when they yell at you, and, and as long as you yell back, they're like, "Oh yeah, great, great, yeah, awesome," you know. You got to stand up for yourself in Philly, I think, or they, they uh, you know, they just run you, they keep running you down. And I, I, once you figure that out, I watched Chris Pronger do it. 
And he always had an answer, you know, for a fan or, or an interaction. I thought, boy, that's kind of rude. But then I thought, no, I could see the respect he had from the fan. You know what I mean? Like a guy, for example, there was these guys that stood outside the uh, arena and always said autographs. And they'd say like, oh, why didn't you, you know, why didn't you do it last night? Or why didn't you fight last night? And you'd say, ah, uh, you know, he didn't want to. He was scared or, you know, or say I was scared. And they'd be like, oh, yeah, yeah. They just wanted to be- they just wanted an interaction. You know what I mean? And I, I, that's what I loved about being in Philly is that pressure's there, but also they got your back. And uh, that, that's what makes it a real special uh, sports town. All right. When we come back, we're going to be joined by Blue Jackets forward Cam Atkinson. He's pretty special in his own way. And he'll talk with Jody and I as the Inside Edge presented by Honda Marysville continues on 97.1 The Fan. ticket plan for the 2021-2022 season by putting down a $100 deposit right now. Those ticket plans are flexible. There are interest-free plans. There are concessions, discounts included, and much, much more. To find out all about it, text the keyword DEPOSIT to 26791. This is the Inside Edge presented by Honda Marysville, and right now we're joined by Blue Jackets forward Cam Atkinson. You were the NHL's number one star of the week last week, and you come out this week, and the first thing you do is go right to the front of the net and score a goal. Look, we've watched you play for a long time, Cam, and we know that you can get very streaky when your goals come and your points come. How good are you feeling in your game right now? Yeah, feeling feeling good. Um, playing with some pretty good players as well, which always helps. Um, you know, been playing with those guys for probably a couple weeks now, so – uh, we're still kind of working out the kinks and and tendencies on the ice, but I think we're doing a good job together. And um, I mean, you guys know me more than anyone. It's uh, when I score goals, it's usually in the dirty areas, and I take a lot of pride in that. You talk about the guys you're playing with, Jack Roslovic and Patrick Line. Maybe ironically to some, I want to talk about Roslovic and the way that relationship's working with you and him. And he's a guy that you knew because he's from Columbus and he's always around in the off season. What, what clicks between you and Jack? Yeah, I mean, we go way back. Uh, we, we used to have the same agent. Uh, we actually trained together, or at least uh, use the same trainer uh, in the summertime. Uh, he's an hour before me. So we see a lot of, a lot of each other throughout the summer and um, have obviously skated together for quite some time now. But, you know, I never really watched him. Um, yeah, I knew, obviously, the skill set that he had, but didn't know to, to the level of, what he's capable of doing. And it's, uh, you know, when you have a centerman that's, you know, in the right position, um, especially on the breakouts, but wanting the puck and breaking the puck into the offense's own, um, trying to make a play. And I mean, that makes the biggest difference for wingers um, instead of obviously dumping it in and, and trying to go get it. And I mean, obviously there's a time and place for that, but uh, he's playing with a lot of confidence and, you know, we're going to need him to continue that. For a guy like you, that is, uh, you weren't, born and raised in Columbus like Jack Roslevic was, but you're pretty much an adopted uh, citizen here. You've made your home here with your family. What does it mean to you, or what do you think it means to the city is probably a better question, to see a guy like Jack coming in, playing in the NHL in his hometown, and having the early success that he has had with this franchise? Yeah, it's huge for the city. Uh, Hometown hero kid. Um, You know, obviously grew up playing here with the AAA program as well, and um, you know, it's unfortunate th- during these crazy times that there's no fans because I think they would obviously appreciate it even more watching him in person. But 
Um, it's, you know, it's great for the city, great for his family. And, you know, it's, uh, it's just overall such a good feel good story. So, you know, it uh, would be a lot sweeter if we could bring some hardware back too. Cam, congratulations on being the, the star of the week. Uh, a heck of a week for you. I want to ask you, you grew up uh, looking up to Marty St. Louis. You get to work out with him as a young guy. Now you got Roslovic, who's looked up to you as a young kid when he was 14, 15 years old, and you're ahead now uh, working out with him. What's that like from the other side? Yeah, it's it's interesting, right? I mean, it's uh, like we talked about earlier, time flies. I've been here 10 years and, you know, obviously been fortunate to play with a lot of good players and um, train with a lot of good players as well, like Marty, um, just to see his work ethic and, um, you know, how – you know, not only how hard he trains, but how good he takes care of his body. Um, and then just obviously on the ice and practice situations, how hard he pushes himself. And it makes you want to push just as hard um, watching him. So, you know, for a guy like Jack, uh, it's it's one of those things where, you know, while you're in it, you don't really think about it until I guess you get asked that question. But, you know, I just tried to lead by example with my work ethic, uh, especially in practice and you know, he sees, he sees me in the summertime training and, um, you know, hopefully there's something that I've done that uh, makes him want to push just as hard as I'm pushing. Well, you're a great example as a pro. So I'm sure he's, he's a lucky guy to have you around. Um, uh, goal scoring, streakiness. This is something I don't understand at any level, <laughs> but can you take us through, because when you say every year, when you, when you do get going, you always say, I'm moving my feet more. You're always moving your feet. But what does that mean to you when you can say, I'm, I feel like I'm moving my feet more? Yeah, I mean, it's it might sound cliche. It's, you know, for me, when I'm going and feeling good, it's I'm going toward the puck and toward the play, um, helping my teammates out, you know, not only breaking out the puck, but obviously in the offensive zone. And, you know, those little area plays, those five foot passes, um, just kind of working off each other instead of kind of being away in the distance and hoping that the puck's going to come to me on the other side. Um, you know, it's, there's a big difference between hoping for something and making it happen. And I think when I'm going, it's, I want the puck. Um, and I'm, if I don't have it, like I'm, I'm putting myself in a situation to get the puck back or get a shot on that. This may sound too simple, but I, I, I have a, sometimes I watch like training camp and players coming out of the August skates. And, and, you know, when things start to dial up, I honestly think, and tell me if I'm wrong, that sometimes scores forget how hard it is to score like there's an extra level of work that comes in the game with the battles and the fights and the stuff you don't do uh, during the offseason that you you forget is it am I somewhere in the right ballpark there no you're 100 percent spot on I mean there's only so much you could do in the summertime um you know that exemplifies the same situation uh to game like situation you know it's in the summertime no one's really on you you're able to you know, one on one with the goalie, and for the most part, you're able to see where you want to shoot uh, for a couple seconds. Where in a game like situation, you have a half a second, not even. Um, but for me, growing up, I mean, I've always been fortunate to score goals, but I don't think it was until I, I it was college where I really, you know, even in practice, I shoot to score first drill. You know, and, and I tell I tell guys that um, a guy like Roslovic or a guy like Sherwood, who I skate with in the summer. Um, you know, for me, if I'm if I'm scoring in practice, it's always a good thing. But I go hard. I mean, I try to, you know, even if the goals aren't warmed up. Um, I try <laughs> no mercy. 
Yeah, no mercy. It's uh, kill or be killed. So it just kind of puts my mind in a, in a good spot as far as shooting the puck and, um, you know, just feeling good about scoring goals. We're talking with Blue Jackets forward Cam Atkinson here on the Inside Edge, presented by Honda Marysville. Our conversation will continue here on 97.1 The Fan. You know those Blue Jackets in arena promotions that you like so much? Well, we are bringing them to you at home. Get great prizes from Arby's, Roosters, Jets Pizza, and Tim Hortons. All you have to do is sign up. It is free. It is easy. Go to bluejackets.com win. We're joined by Cam Atkinson tonight here on the Inside Edge, presented by Honda Marysville. Cam, let's talk about the power play here. And it's a power play that has come back to life recently. They had you in a spot where John Tortorella calls it that middle spot, and a lot of people call it the bumper spot there. They had you uh, in that position, which was uh, different than what we've seen you in the past. But now you're back on the flank where you're used to being. What was it like, you know, just trying to make that transition? And what was it about it that you didn't like? And are you more comfortable back where you're used to being? Yeah, I mean, I, I've been here long enough where I've played almost every position. Um, and, you know, every year is a different year. And um, the bumper guy, it's it's a tough position. Um, you know, there's, you know, I think of a guy like Sam Gaine, who was probably the best bumper guy that I've ever been a part of. And, you know, he knows what he wants to do with the puck before the, he, the puck even comes to him. Um, you know, for me, I'm a shooter, right? So the most confident I, where I am at is where I'm at now. And that's on the flank where, um, you know, I can come down with speed and shoot. And uh, I just see the ice so much better on that specific flank side. And it's funny because <clears throat> when Gagne was here and our power play was, you know, the, one of the best in the league and I was on the left side, my one-timer spot, I never really scored a lot of one-timers because, you know, that wasn't really my job. My job was to kind of find the seams and um, clean up the re- rebounds in front of the net and put myself in a position to kind of anticipate where the puck, I think the puck's going to go. And obviously I scored a lot of goals just because our power play was clicking. And then I was there this year and it was only a couple of years ago or three years ago, but it's amazing how uncomfortable you feel in that situation when before I was like, this is my spot. I love this spot. I, I would never want to play anywhere else. But now it's funny, you know, it's now I'm in a different spot on the other flank and I feel like I can't play anywhere else except that spot. So, um, yeah, it's just, I, I love that position and we're going to work on it today. And um, the units, I think have changed a little bit, but um, I'm still in that spot and that's where I'm, where I'm most confident. <clears throat> Let me ask you about the defensive play, because one thing about you, you utilize your speed to play the 200 foot game. You've always done that. You're a great back checker, but overall, when you look at this season, if there's been one thing that has stood out, it has been the, uh, the moments where there's lack of defense. You're coming off a game where Carolina scored seven against you. And, uh, and there, there's been games you've had six scored against you. Uh, there was a game in Chicago where you outscored the Blackhawks, but they still got five. What's going on defensively with this team? What isn't tightened up uh, that needs to be to get back to how you played in the past? Yeah, I mean, Carolina, you look at the way they played against us, and that's how we play. Um, and for whatever reason, it's we're, we kind of we show it in, you know, we show it in spurts or, you know, 40 minutes or 55 minutes, but we've never really played a full 60 minutes that style. And for whatever reason, I can't really um, pinpoint, but um, what makes us successful is playing that hard nose, you know, 
the blues are so important. And it's one of those things where, you know, it's in order for us to score goals, we have some skill, no question, but we get a lot of our goals in front of the net, making it hard on their goalie, battling to those areas to get the puck back for a greasy rebound. Um, and all, and obviously on the other end, uh, making it hard for opponents to get to our crease. And um, we, I, I talked about it after the game in Carolina and what makes us successful. And we need to be dirtier in those areas. And it's not, you know, fighting or, or it's hard to put it, but it's just having good sticks and making it hard for them to get to those, the dirty area where all the goal scorers want to get to. And that's the middle of the ice. Um, you know, we have to find a way to get, keep them on the perimeter. And I think a lot of our success will come from that and breaking the puck out. And, um, you know, you give a couple cross checks to the ribs or to the back of a guy trying to get to the net. And it's amazing. You know, uh, maybe they won't go there next time or they'll take a, a an, an easy, a harder route to get to it. So it's uh, little things like that, that um, our team is successful on that. And it's just playing hard nose in that blue collar style hockey. Cam, I want to ask you again about the power play again. And this is, I'm really curious about this. So why aren't you playing with Roslovic and Line on the power play? I mean, do you guys have a conversation? Those are your line mates. You guys work well together. You could play on that flank. You guys ever have that conversation? Yeah, I actually uh, talked to Torts about that in Chicago. Um, you know, it's, uh, and we, he changed it up um, today. So I'm, I'm on that, uh, that flank side where Domes is playing. And, you know, I get what he, what he, he's obviously, he's the coach, so he makes the, the decision, which um, obviously you respect it. Um, you know, it's trying to get guys going in certain situations, getting, letting them feel the puck. And um, listen, I, I would have loved to be in that spot in, in situations, but, um, you know, I also want certain guys to get going and feeling good about their games too, because it's only ultimately going to help us out. Um, but yeah, no, it's, uh, I'm, I'm playing with them starting today. We're going to work on it and I'm on that flank side and obviously Jack's in the middle and line is on his one-timer side. So um, you know, just building that chemistry on five on five and, and hopefully we continue to build it even more on, on the power play. Yeah. That always makes sense to me. So I, that, that excites me. The other thing is when Panarin was here in Bobrovsky, you used to leave the zone way quicker. I mean, you used to get create odd man rushes. You used to get on the weak side or the strong side and you're gone. Um, are we going to see more of that? I mean, is that something that's taken out of your game? I feel like that it puts a real threat on the defenseman. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I feel like I, I've showed a little bit of that in the last couple of weeks, especially playing with Jack and, and Patty. And, um, you know, I'm still learning um, Patty's tendencies and, and, and vice versa. And, you know, he's a hell of a passer. He's, he's found me a couple of times, uh, three on two, where I should have scored. Um, so it, it's still learning that. And I mean, obviously in Chicago, uh, we have one of those where I slash across and um, we're Jack ended up scoring. Um, so we're still kind of learning and figuring out the kinks, but uh, absolutely. I mean, when he has full possession, I try to stay wide and, and get going. He'll find me or, or slash across. I got I to gotta do a little bit more of that, uh, and I will. Is he a little bit like Panarin for you, or is he totally different? Excuse me. No, he, he's definitely very, you know, he's similar in a lot of ways. Um, you know, people obviously know him for scoring goals, and he's got one of the craziest shots I've ever seen. Um, but he's a hell of a passer, too, uh, tape to tape for the most part. And, um, you know, I, it took Panarin and I 
a little bit of time to really figure each other out. And once we did, we obviously were very successful, but it wasn't, uh, it definitely didn't happen as quick as it's happening with uh, me playing with Patty and obviously Jack. Sorry, Bob. I got one more before you jump in there. Um, <laughs> I, there was an image on the bench. Uh, Lion, there was three guys looking at the iPad after a power play talking and Lion A was just sitting there and he, he didn't want, it looked like he was no nonsense. And I know the Finns are mostly no nonsense. Is he a real competitive guy that just wants to like those guys don't talk much. Is he one of those guys? Absolutely. I mean, I, I sit next to him in the locker room, um, on the road and obviously at home and, um, just try, trying to get to know him on a more personal level. And, um, yeah, he's, uh, you know, he speaks out when he wants to, and, uh, he's not going to hold back, which I, I like, uh, but he's also quiet in, in a sense. And, you know, for him, you, he's a goal scorer, right? And he, he's like an Ovechkin in a way where you know where he is and you give him the puck in that spot and there's a very good chance it's going to go in or it's going to be a nice rebound for you. So, um, yeah, it's, it's that no nonsense, uh, fin mentality. And, uh, I personally like it. I think it's, uh, just that swagger. When you said that it's coming quicker with you and line A than it did with you and Panarin, do you think that it's possible it's coming quicker because you played with Panarin? Maybe you're, uh, because I remember you always used to say, look, I got to learn to have my stick on the ice. He's always going to get me the pass. Uh, you were making adjustments in your game. Is it easier adjustments this time around because you've already played with that type of player? Yeah, that's a very good question. I mean, for sure. And it's also, you know, me growing as a player and maturing as a player. And, um, you know, I've been here a long time and played with some really skilled, high-end skilled players. And, um, you know, it's, it, yeah, once you, once you kind of, play with a guy like that for a long time um you know what they're looking for and vice versa and obviously having your stick on the ice is is important but putting yourself in a in a situation to get the puck um you know for me I like to I keep saying I like to get lost I like to find those little seam areas uh which I'm really good at and um you know line eight just has to find me and, and Jack as well and uh they know that it's uh, even in the offensive zone it's you know, I'm going to support them, but as soon as they have the puck, I'm going to try to get lost and, um, you know, just have my stick on the ice. Cause sure enough, even my last goal, uh, that's kind of how it happened. It was a great play by Jack to pull up and find Patty. And when Patty shot it, it, you know, they actually deflected it and my stick was on the ice and actually hit my, I don't even know if it was my blade or my shaft to my blade. And I just, luckily it was right, right spot. Um, got a shot on that and, clean up the rebounds. So usually when you're playing with those good players, have your stick on the ice and good things happen. All right. One more thing. And I'll let you go <clears throat> there. It looks like fans are going to get back into the building. Some fans, hopefully soon. What does that mean to you that there will be some people there? It's gotta be, it seems like it's extremely unfun playing in these empty buildings. I know during the home games, when we're there, it is just so weird and so different. How much are you looking forward to being at a home game and having some fans in the stands? Yeah, I think we're all thrilled. I think every player, um, you know, plays the game for the fans. And whether it's home and your fans are cheering you on or on the road, especially when they're booing you and you score a goal and you shove it in their face. So it's uh, – I'm excited. I mean, I know it's only a little amount of fans, but some fans is better than nothing. Um, so definitely looking forward to that. And and uh, the fifth line is going to be cheering us on like they always have. And – uh, hopefully we can, uh, you know, let that cannon go off.
Well, that sounds like a great plan. Cam, thank you very much. That's Cam Atkinson, Blue Jackets forward. Stay tuned. We've got more of the Inside Edge presented by Honda Marysville coming up next on 97.1 The Fan. Welcome back to the Inside Edge. It's presented by Honda Marysville here on 97.1 The Fan. Jody, do you ever, as we're going along here, do you ever forget about the other teams in the league? Because we're only seeing seven teams. Yeah. You know, in, like you go and you watch the NHL Network and you see highlights from other games. Sometimes I'm like, oh, yeah, there are other teams that are out there that are playing. Uh, it's just so weird. One of the many weird things, right? Well, I kind of forgot about the Vegas Golden Knights until they got the gold helmets. And then I realized, wow, this is something spectacular because, you know, in Europe, when you go to Europe and play, the leading score uh, on every team wears a gold helmet. There's one gold helmet on every team when I was in Finland, and that's the leading score. So that's the target. <laughs> that's that like, was, isn't, yeah, I was going to say, isn't that a target? <laughs> yeah, totally. I was amazed. I'm like, so that's the guy I got to run? The thing about over there, the board, the ice is so big, you can't catch anybody. So it's <laughs> like, uh, but no, um, I, I agree with you. I as I still love watching the Rangers, the Penguins, uh, you know, the, the Capitals, the, the, the Metropolitan Division rivals. Uh, I still catch up with those. And the, the Canadian Division, uh, it's fascinating to see those teams play each other so many times. Calgary and Edmonton, uh, Toronto, Montreal. Those are classic matchups. But, yeah, there's a lot that goes on. There's a lot that uh, has been changing with the schedule. The NHL is doing a great job. Um but, Dan, yeah, I, I do forget about a lot of them. But it's fun to be able to sit down any given night and watch a number of games in a row. Yeah, that's absolutely true. And, uh, you know, you're talking about some of those teams. Um, let's see. What happened this week? Oh, here's something that happened. Alex Galchenyuk got traded from Carolina right before they played the Blue Jackets the other night. The interesting thing about that to me was he had just been traded from Ottawa to Carolina in the Ryan Dezingle deal. And then he gets shipped off to Toronto. This guy, I remember during his draft year, and and I hope I'm right on this. I think I am, was when it was in Pittsburgh when uh, when the Blue Jackets took Ryan Murray. And I remember doing the interviews. They have the group interviews. You can talk to all the, the prospects there. And he seemed like a really good guy, and he had good numbers, and there yeah. was a lot of talk about him. And I was thinking – you know, you knew what the Blue Jackets were going to do, but I was thinking, oh, this might be a, a nice guy to have at some point. Well, holy cow, he's been on seven teams now, this wow. guy. He can't find a footing. What, it all started in, in Montreal, and then he went out to the desert, and then he's been in Pittsburgh and Minnesota. Like, this guy's been in uh, literally like a quarter of the league and can't get a toehold. That, that amazes me. How does that happen with some players? They're in between. I think they're in between. You know what I mean? And, and I look at the coaches he's had. Boy, Rick Tockett is one of my favorite people as a player when he played, but also as a coach, the way he handles his group. Um, he, he kind of is in between. He's not sure what he is. And I think players that fall into that, and we talked about it earlier with the Peewee team, you have to figure out what you are, and then you have to simplify that and specialize. That's what you have to do to, to be a part of a team and or to bring something to the team. Every team needs something, and uh, you have to be good at one thing. And I think that he is in between. He's he's not great at one thing, 
but he's good at too many things. And I think that's where you fall through the cracks because you have uh, teammates that are better at winning face-offs or better at board battles or better on the power play or have a better passing skill set or, you know, will always get the puck out or will always block the shot. Those are guys you have to rely on. And that's it, when, when, especially in the playoffs. And to me, he's just – he sounds like a great guy. I know he played for Trevor Litowski in Sarnia. Uh, when Trevor was the coach there. And, and those are the guys that just get lost in the cracks and just don't find out where they fit on a nightly basis. And everyone talks about consistency. Well, that's what really consistency is. Uh, another guy I want to talk about, I look at the situation in Washington and what jumps out at me is remember they lost Braden Holtby to free agency. And then they decided initially they decided that, um, Look, we don't think that we want to go with a young goaltender and and no, we don't want to go with two young goaltenders was the thing. So they signed Henrik Lundqvist. So then Lundqvist ends up having a health problem, ends up uh, leaving. Vitek Vanacek is the guy that probably was going to be the odd man out and probably would have been assigned to Hershey in the American Hockey League to play. I, I don't know if they could have gotten luckier that Lundqvist couldn't have played or not because this Vanacek kid has been outstanding. He is, uh, he's vaulted himself really into their top spot in net. Yeah. And, you know, we wish Lundqvist the best. Uh, that was a scary situation and it would have been strange to see him in, in Washington, but um, you know, that worked out. Yeah. You know, it's funny how those things happen. You've been around long enough to see those things. And I always wonder, you know, what if we, we've seen a lot of skilled players and a lot of good uh, guys not get the opportunity or their opportunity was really short. And, um, you know, the backup quarterback, you know, look at Tom Brady, you look at uh, some of these guys that may never have gotten their chance. And yeah, Vanacek's a great example of, you know, they did their homework. Uh, you, you know, you lose Holpe, but you know, it was time. And now uh, a bright spot and a, you know, really good decor, really structured team that helped that helps having a predictable presence in front of you in how that would team plays. So yeah, kudos to him, but you're right. that That's what organizations need is that nice surprise uh, that just comes in and fits in well. All right. One more thing I want to ask you before we wrap up here uh, tomorrow night, when the Nashville Predators are in town, it is going to be another Blue Jackets 20th anniversary night. It'll be brought to you by Huntington bank. And Ron Tugnut is our uh, featured former Blue Jacket. Uh because we're talking about goaltenders anyway. Ron Tugnut is still, I think, if you go um, amongst the people that are the original season ticket holders and, and the fans from when the team first came to town, he's got to be still one of the most popular guys, doesn't he? I would absolutely agree. I mean, he's a guy that this city embraced and adored right away. Uh, you know, he's a guy that is a gentle speaker, a really nice person, and he you could tell the appreciation – uh, that he had for the city and how hard he worked. He wasn't the biggest guy, but you know what? He battled in that crease and scratched and clawed for every point. The blue Jackets got those first couple of years. So uh, I smile every time I hear his name, maybe it's because it's just fun to say tug nut, you know, but I, I just, when I see him, it's just a fun guy to talk to. He's so, he can be so serious, but so funny at the same time. It's he's uh, and that's one thing about the first few years here. They had some real character people. Jamie Pusher is one of the nicest and greatest people in hockey. You know, he won a Stanley cup last year as a scout or as a, actually he was in the administration uh, for the hockey ops of the Tampa Bay lightning. And he's a guy that works hard, but more importantly, a real good character person that we got to be around when he was here. So 
Tugnut, uh, yeah, I just smile when I when I hear some of those names, but no question, uh, a guy that is still adored here in Columbus. And it's funny too because it's hard for that to happen to a goalie, and you know Sergei Bobrovsky will always be adored here because of the way he played, but the personality is different. Ron Tugnut played well and then had a personality that translates sometimes goalies just aren't regular people you, yeah. you know what i mean by that right but ron tugnut he's down to earth regular guy now he was t- he couldn't talk to him on game day but uh other than that yeah he was a regular guy he just wanted to hang out with the teammates be involved in the dinners he, he was great and uh that's why i smile right when i hear his name because you know he's a, he's he's a great presence in the locker room Tomorrow night, National Predators are in town for a 20th anniversary night brought to you by Huntington Bank. The puck drops at 7 o'clock tomorrow evening. Pre-game coverage starts at 6.30 on Fox Sports Ohio and the Blue Jackets Radio Network. I want to thank Cam Atkinson for joining us tonight. That's going to wrap up this edition of the Inside Edge presented by Honda Marysville. For Jody Shelley, I'm Bob McElligot. Thanks for listening to 97.1 The Fan.